2.45 a.m. A nurse wakes me up. A patient's foley, or bladder catheter, has fallen out, and the nurse needs me to put it back in. It is my second week as a medical intern, and her attitude is more like that of a hazing fraternity brother than of a patient advocate. I've been able to lie down for 15 minutes in the darkened call room on one of the four cots that already smell of another intern's sleep. 10.30 a.m. I've survived my first night on call, but can barely function. I've slept 15 minutes. The morning hours bear no relief as my pager beeps relentlessly. I make a mental note to answer only every other page and ignore the intervening ones, assuming they'll call back later. 11.45 a.m. I take the rear stairwell two steps at a time, heading towards my next task on the ninth floor. Mr. A needs to be discharged. That will bring my post-call census down from 21 to 20. I imagine the pen slash I will make as I cross him off my list. The door slams open above me. Looking up, I see another post-call intern rushing down to attend to something on his list. We grunt at each other. The only thing we need now is a code, he chortles. We had all witnessed codes as medical students, standing at the back of the room, small and silent so as not to be ejected by a nurse, or worse, pulled into the fray. Uncapped needles strewn over the bed as a surgical resident tried repeatedly to thread a catheter into a large vein. Chest compressions, violent and exhausting. A relay race of residents and nurses taking turns pumping clotted blood through the patient. Missing a code was frowned on. Every doctor within earshot of the hospital PA system was expected to drop work and show up. Ninety percent of us would be quickly dismissed, but most would remain in the hall chatting, glancing periodically into the room to see whether life or death was winning. It was exhilarating. We believed that by merely following the protocols we'd studied in medical school, we would be able to bring people back from the dead. We'd resuscitate their lifeless bodies with jolts of electricity and chemical cocktails designed to shock the heart out of its complacency. We would reinflate flaccid lungs by thrusting stiff tubes into airways and sending mechanical puffs of air into them, playing them like musical instruments. We'd practiced the various scenarios dozens of times on dummy mannequins furnished with software showing us the various heart rhythms changing with every treatment we administered. The result was usually the same. The patient's heart rhythm was restored by our efforts. We imagined him waking up from his ordeal, another miracle of modern medicine. 12.30 p.m. Despite my zeal for my first code, today is not the day. Please, let it wait until tomorrow. I am walking on a high tightrope from which I feel I may tumble with any disturbance. I am on 9 West, standing at the bedside of Mr. A, a homeless man with emphysema. The next unchecked box on my task list reads, Mr. A, inhaler teaching, make sure he realizes I have instructed him. If a patient doesn't report on his exit survey that he's been taught how to use his medication, our evaluations suffer. These random surveys keep us on our toes and add to our exhaustive list of boxes to be checked. Mr. A's shaky hands lift the small plastic tool towards his mouth for the fourth time in our unproductive session as a prematurely ejaculated puff of mist 
blows off to the right side of his face. I am going into my 30th hour without sleep and feel like I'm being swallowed by quicksand. I am unable to imagine how I will get this homeless man out of the hospital in the 10 minutes I have before my next family meeting. I don't have a ride for him, and I can't find a social worker to help me get him a taxi voucher. 12.38 p.m. Code blue, 11th floor. The dreaded words crackle through the speakers, spreading through the corridors like a call to prayer. I feel like fainting. I remember the choreographed response of my residents to code announcements in medical school. Whether buying food in the cafeteria, standing over a patient, or talking on the phone, they lifted their heads towards the operator's voice, cocking them so as not to miss any relevant information. Food trays would be abandoned, phones slammed into their cradles, and patients left speechless in their wake. They were being summoned to save a life.